Good afternoon. You're very welcome to Scariff Bay Community Radio and Local Media This Week. The programme where our panel, we sit around here, we have a look at all the print media here in County Clare and we tell you what's in it and we give our opinion on it as well and I suppose have the odd argument. My name is Jim Collins and I'm joined here by our usual panel. First of all, John S. Kelly. John, you're very welcome. Afternoon, Jim. Thank you. Second, we have uh, Pat O'Brien. Pat, you're very welcome again. Good afternoon, Jim. And finally, David Fleming. David, you are most welcome. I'm delighted <laughs> to be here, Jim. Good. Okay, looking at the various things, actually, just before we start, before we have a look at the, the Clare Champion and the Clare Echo, I see a tweet here uh, which says, Congratulations to lecturer in broadcast journalism, Fiona McGarry, who is the recipient of the 2021 Disciplinary Excellence in Teaching and Learning Award for her commitment to high-quality teaching. And then my screen disappears. Congrat- Sorry. Congratulations to lecturer in broadcast journalism, Fiona McGarry, who is the recipient of the 2021 Disciplinary Excellence in Teaching and Learning Award for her commitment to high-quality teaching, promoting student learning and an outstanding student experience. And that's Fiona McGarry uh, in NUIG, where we and Fiona, who has been a guest on this show, and uh, we look at her material every week. So I think... Fiona deserves a big congratulations. Indeed. Indeed. Congratulations. Congratulations all around. Congratulations, Fiona. Fiona. And on the other side of the coin, then, I see that uh, I see another tweet from Stuart Holly. And uh, Stuart has tweeted that this morning, Google have announced that they have signed deals with seven publishers as part of an initiative to support quality news content in Ireland. And he's happy to reveal that the Clare Echo is one of these publishers. And they're joined by the Times Group. Um, Reach PLC, The Journal Group, Iconic Media, Celtic Media and the Donegal Daily. So, great success again for the Clare Echo and that's that's a big uh, deal it is indeed, to, yeah. to be brought into those. So, mm. well done to Fiona uh, and the, from the Clare Champion and well done to the all the team at the Clare Echo as well. Um, mm. And a, a high standard of journalism, quite obviously, all around, all around here in County Clare. Now, looking at all the various stories, uh, the, the, the subject that we're never going to touch again is Shannon. But I, there, there are multiple strands of, of uh, Shannon Airport this week in both the Clare Echo and the, and, uh, and the Clare Champion. Um, apparently, the imminent appointment of a chair for the Shannon Group is actually imminent. Would you believe that, John? We said that last month. We, we said it six months ago, I'd say. <laughs> oh, indeed. But we're, we're approaching this announcement uh, by Owen Ryan. We're, we're approaching it with uh, optimism, aren't we? Uh, we believe that within 10 days we will have the name of a chair. And you know, while we say that, we, we wish him or her uh, uh, good luck on the, on the work. But it's a challenge now, it really is. No, yeah. it's, it's a huge challenge. But hopefully, Jim, that the selection committee will have done their work well mm. and we wish the candidate uh, who's successful, we wish him 
or her all the best. Yeah, there was five people, uh, five people uh, were in the final round of interviews for the position of chair of Shannon Group, and the decision is dictated in end of September. Yeah, so I see on, on both papers, you're looking at the Clare Champion, Champion there, Pat, yeah. and um, I'm looking at the Clare Echo and uh, yeah, at the end of September. So by next week's show... We'll have an answer, yeah? We might have an answer. Brilliant. Hopefully. So of course, we were very close the last time and we even had a name. Um, but that name, Aaron Ford, I think, was the name we had and he was announced. But within, within days, he was obliged to withdraw because of, and it has been mentioned before, tweets. Uh, it's very dangerous what is said in the past because it can come back to bite you. Yes, but yeah. you know what, David? I personally am not terribly happy with the whole process for disappointment because the press got hold of it and hung on to it like a, a dog on a bone. <laughs> and it's been actually thrown up week after week as we waited for the outcome. It forgot about the point that the candidate is now conscious of a huge social uh, expectation. And I wouldn't like to... The, the, the successful person. Yes, the successful yeah. person. Yeah. But there yeah. are obviously five people in, involved in this. That's right. So but only we don't know who they are, but... We don't, but, but it does, you don't have to. The, person come, the name comes out in a week's time, and then suddenly they... Well, not suddenly, but they, because they must have been thinking about this for quite some time. Mm. I simply would not like to have been in that situation. Because of what happened the last time? Yes, and, mm. and because why should, why should the media really hammer constantly, this person needs to have A, B, C or D. It's up to the appointments board and their yeah. advisors to de determine and well, dictate that. Yeah, of course it is, um, but they, those individuals are representing the state. It is mm. the state that makes the appointment, the minister on behalf of all of us, and of course, it's our it's our taxpayers' money that ultimately pays his job. Mm -hmm. So that's the public interest, mm. and I suppose a journalist uh, would say that what's ever in the public interest needs to be considered. I still have a problem with the fact that the person who was appointed the last time, because of some tweet in the dim and distant past, yeah. um, got kicked out. I mean, is that an example of? This cancel, cancel culture, culture and the woke um, society that we're talking about. I mean, if if he's good enough or was good enough to do the job, he should have been left do it. You know, it's it's. Um, but anyway, okay. Uh, your friend PJ is talking about a rail link pass uh, to Shannon. Oh yeah, that's in. in um it's it's in uh, the Clare Echo. Yeah, the uh, let's see. Now we're walking through Here papers. <laughs> in fact, oh, Shannon, really? Shannon features largely in, in both the Clare Champion and the Clare Echo, but Pat, yeah, you uh, have a piece there in front of you. Uh, airport rail link, a golden opportunity. This is by Parik McMahon. Uh, renewed cars have been issued to the, for the installation of a rail link to Shannon Airport, writes Parik McMahon. Officials in the, in the National Transport Authority have previously detailed that the provision of a rail link of a rail link to the international airport is a key objective of the Limerick Shannon Metropolitan Area Transport Strategy. Plans associated with, with the LSMA TS are estimated to cost one one point four billion billion now. While CEO of Irish Rail Jim Mead has said the rail support to Shannon would have a bill of hundreds of millions of euros. Just to re repeat that figure there for a scan pass. 
billion euro. Maybe, maybe they're not talking about the rail, maybe they're talking about other, other Maybe other they're going to build a new town as well. <laughs> I, I, I wonder, is that, is that a real oh, figure? Oh, it's got to be an error. I, I would say so. I mean, we're talking, Pat, you know the, the lie of the land down there. Oh, How yeah. far is the railway line approximately from Shannon Airport at the moment? They don't have a build a new line out from Limerick because the line is passing through yeah. through the parish. Yeah, there's a line going right out by six mile bridge and out, out on the Queen. How far uh, would it be? Al- Al- Solis would probably be the nearest point, which is over at the back of the Clare Inn. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's only so a couple of, couple of miles. A few miles. Yeah. And it's very flat. It's very flat, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think I said it before here when we discussed this before. Uh, you'd imagine when they were doing, the, the, when you were putting all the new road network, and uh, they, they, they maybe, maybe made provisions for a rail network at some stage. Mm-hmm. And this is not the first time that has been said, Pat, no. Oh. Do you know, okay? We're, so, we're, uh, uh, we're not I'm not sure are we good at planning in this country at all. Yeah, we, we, don't, we don't plan like that it's at all. Planning, but, I, I, but, I, but, it, but, but maybe they were thinking that this was a bit like uh, maybe pie in the sky sort of thinking, but surely. It, if you read into this, uh, it looks like uh, if they're going to spill in 1.4 billion, they're going to put in a state-of-the-art one from... But Pat, uh, the from Limerick. But yeah. Pat nobody... Like, uh, it's, is this just flying a, a, a kite? Because it's the council raising it. The National Transport Authority are not raising it. Is anybody talking to the National Transport Authority? Of course, we really don't know, do we? No, like mm. it's an airport relic. I mean, it's just, it's a bit... What, are you against the idea, David? Am I against it? I'm, I'm all in favour of trains, but... Um, <laughs> and, I, and I would use them, but, uh, but the question is, is there enough, are, are there enough people that would use this? Well, we have three airports in this country, three main airports, and, and I think somebody said before we went in there, none of them have a rail connection. None of them have a rail connection. And they all should have a rail connection. They should. Um, they you should, know. because certainly if you go anywhere else in the world, you always have uh, that railing. But, we, of course, we're a small country. We've invested so much in motorways <laughs> uh, and cars that that seems to be the best way to get around. Um, how many people would actually use a rail link from either Ennis or Limerick into Shannon? Well, uh, d- take, for example, in answer to that, take, for example, the... the uh, arguments and discussion that went on about the Galway-Limerick line. Yeah. Which so many from outside Clare wanted to dispute, you know, and so did some of the people involved in the railway. But when it was put to them, look at, let us a book online. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, the numbers using it went up, went up. immeasurably. And don't forget like that. Yeah. Um, but but, but it, that does not make money. But that, is that, it, the, the Irish Rail are David, losing money. David, it, it has been it's so for over a hundred years that railway systems were not designed to be profitable. They were designed to be, right across Europe, social, uh, you know, um, uh, adventures. Social. When, when the... Yeah. When, the f- when the Limerick... Uh, when the Limerick... Uh, in his, uh, Lion was throwing weeds and, and, and trees and everything else. Uh, the rest of the railway system was still losing money. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, oh well, the inter- I think the intercities. What 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 the problem we have is we don't have a fast rail network. 
talking to some I was talking to an American last week about it. In fact, mm. uh, if you had a fast rail system that brought you from Cork to Dublin, yeah. Cork to Belfast, Cork to Galway. Notice how I said Cork mm. all the time. Limerick to Dublin, let's say, mm. Ennis to Dublin in 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 an hour. Then you transform this country. But we're not going to have that. Why not? Because of the very reason you, you mentioned earlier. We're too small. The population isn't there. It'll be too costly. It could be. But look at, look at Japan, which is a smaller country. Uh, much bigger population. Smaller country. It has a high-speed rail network. France has. Germany has. Mm. I can't see why we can't have it. Uh, is it, it stat- status you're looking for there? No, it? because it is... People don't take the train from Limerick to Galway because it takes two hours uh, or whatever. It takes much longer. Than the it's bus the journey. La- I, I'd, you'd nearly cycle there faster, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, especially if there's flooding on the line. Uh, but they take the bus or they take the car mm. because people... Now, if I'm going for a leisurely sort of day trip and I'm a pensioner... Uh, and it's paid for me, I might go on the train. Well, if I'm coming home, <coughs> if I'm a student in Galway and I'm coming down down south for the weekend home, yeah. okay, it's very convenient. I'd take the bus. Uh, Students would take the bus. But we'd like, we, we'd like the rail to be used a bit more to justify its yeah. very mm. yeah. existence. Yeah. I suppose our speed it up then. Get rid yeah. of the stops Pat, along the way. Our friends in Dublin, Pat, not to speak of our friends in Cork, <laughs> would have apoplexy if there was a rail link in Shannon <laughs> without one in Dublin. Yeah, well, they probably would. Yeah. So, <laughs> listen, just one or two things before uh, and we'll go very quickly through it. Uh, I looking at page eight and declared champion and Owen Ryan has a story there. US flights appear on the horizon. And uh, I see in the Clare Echo, Parik has a, has a similar story on page 17. Two transatlantic routes to resume next year. Yeah. But that has to be good news. Has well, it has. And we've been cribbing and grousing for, for a few months, months on our programme about the lack of progress, you know, in the absence of... Uh, 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 CEO of the Shannon Group. Isn't that right? Mm. And here we have before us now, and I don't want to hear any kind of negative observations. (laughs) Okay? We have... Now that's cancel culture. Well, (laughs) we have... In March the 27th, there is an American... um, uh, United Airlines will be flying out to to Newark, and uh, United Airlines will be joining them. So... And it's Aer Lingus, isn't it? uh, well, as well. well, isn't it? I haven't that thing on Aer Lingus and Boric's, uh, oh, I'm looking at Owen Ryan's piece on, ch- on, on the, the Clare Champion, and he yeah. starts with Aer Lingus is currently selling tickets for Shannon New York and Shannon Boston flights on its website, while American Airlines has said it will resume Shannon Philadelphia next May. If the Aer Lingus links are restored, it would be a particularly significant boost for Shannon Airport as those routes are particularly... Now, we shouldn't mention the same word twice in a sentence, but anyway, are particularly significant (laughs) to tourism and foreign direct investment in Clare and the surrounding counties. So on aerlingus.com on Wednesday, Shannon Boston services are being offered from March 10th a week, notice the week earlier than American exactly. United Airlines. Well, this is the market Airlines. at work, isn't yeah, it? It is. And Shannon to New York from March 27th. Yeah. So uh, I think one of the big factors, of course, is the American government having announced that non-US citizens can again enter the United States. So are you optimistic now about uh, the prospects for transatlantic out of Shannon? Oh yes, I think this is this is now the post-COVID world, and I think I think actually you will see an awful lot of people 
traveling and because the cabin fever is over the poor poor hotels um won't see us for a very long time again we'll mm. all be off to wherever we want mm. to get off to and can we say well done to the group in shannon for yeah, you I know do. promoting and I succeeding do. yeah i think you have to you have to praise the the, the management the, the management there yeah, mm. the, the good work that they're doing yeah because it's it's easy enough to lose something but it's harder to get and it back, back yeah. one yeah. other yeah. thing yeah. i suppose linked to shannon and to cork of course and dublin uh the air traffic controllers i see in page five here in the fair champion own ryan has another story about air traffic controllers hit out at management and this was a national story during the week where uh, the air traffic controllers saying, are saying that we depend hugely on, on overtime for air traffic controllers and that we simply don't have enough. And if, if the overtime thing didn't work, but they, uh, you know, we wouldn't have enough and they reckon safety is being compromised. And I suppose air traffic controller is, is a very demanding job. It is. It's the invisible. We don't often think about it, no. but uh, they're based in they're based just out Shannon in those hills there around Shannon, and uh, that's the big golf ball. I think you can see that's part of their and belly green down yeah. beside the and, airport. And uh, there's over 120 something of them, I think, in the country. Oh no, there are 332 people in Shannon. Um, according to Owen Ryan, there they, they take out all the, all the all the traffic that goes out to America. Uh, they they control the airwaves. Yeah, through our airspace. Air yeah, through yeah. our yeah. airspace. Yeah. 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 Okay, we'll move on. Uh, Ennis, a university town. No, isn't that good news? Note the silence, Jim. <laughs> We were giving the competition at the end of the table there an opportunity. <laughs> <coughs> we, should, we should remind our listeners now well, as, as we look at uh, Jessica Quinn's article on Ennis's University Town from October the 1st, we should keep in mind uh, that we have got to be unbiased uh, and without any prejudice in observations which we make about it. I, for one, Jim, am delighted to see the emergence of a technical university in the Midwest and mm. cooperate in the Midlands as well. And uh, part of it will see the Binden Street uh, become uh, a, a mini campus for the university. And That's probably a very good word, a very good description for it. A mini campus. I mean, it is tiny, Binden Street. Uh, could you, John, could you maybe define for us what you think a university town is? Yeah, but that was always, of course, a, a subject for debate in UCG, when NUIG, when we were students long ago. Mm. Town versus gown. There was yeah. always a kind of a, a healthy, if you like, um, uh, competition between the town and the university. Mm. But in that competition was enrichment, okay? Cultural enrichment, economic enrichment. I, th I think it's economic enrichment they're thinking no. about now. Uh, yeah. And, and social. Uh, <laughs> social, you know, yeah. Now, I yeah, want to ask yeah. you then, in, uh, apropos this, David, you are a, a member of the staff of the University of Limerick. That's correct. Why is it that the Limerick Institute didn't form a part of a, an extended UL campus? I mean, have you got a problem with regard to the idea of technology? I don't think... Well, the University of Limerick was Ireland's first technological university. Mm. In the 1980s, it was using that term long before it got university <laughs> but status. But it, dro it dropped it, had, it. It dropped it very quickly. What? No, that's right. Um, why, why did it drop par partly it? Partly because I think it, the university, or what was the NIHE Limerick, 
uh, expanded into so many other different areas that it couldn't justify the singular label of technological. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure was it ever proposed that LIT think about uh, a relationship with the University of Limerick. Mm. Um, firstly, the legislation probably wouldn't have allowed for it because the legislation was very specific that... The original legislation. You know, the, the legislation which provides for technological universities. Um, it required technological universities to, to um, talk to other... Sorry, it required the Institutes of Technology to talk to other institutes. Um, but is Ennis a university town? I see it's in inverted commas here as well. I would put it in inverted commas. I think you have to have a, a, a large number of students and a good, significant campus rather than one or two houses on Binden Street. I'm are inclined we, to agree are we, with you, are actually. We getting <laughs> are we getting away from the idea that, in, in be it university or, or college, that, that everything has to be on the one... Campus. No, no, but I think uh, it could be seen as a bit of window dressing um, just to have a sort of an, uh, a few rooms or a few offices. I mean, the university in Limerick has decided to have a city centre campus, which is an entire block and it will probably be several stories high. Yeah. Um, uh, some universities have campuses right around the world in Asia. I mean, these are substantial. And to make it a proper university town is to have that interaction, those interactions, those social, cultural, economic, you need a good number of students. Mm -hmm. So I would hope that Ennis will eventually become a university town when it gets a Good lot of students involved. Yeah, I, I, I'm inclined. I'm agreeing with you, David. Okay, I'll, but I I just Jim, before uh, clarify, just my own position, lest you go out of here with a, <laughs> a biased view. Um, I agree with the, with your statement in relation to numbers. Perhaps in Ennis's case, it might be well to focus on one particular element of a campus yeah. and build on that. Exactly. I'm looking at page 11 in the Clare Echo and Porrick has a story here about uh, logic of application for a strategic development zone or an SDZ of what is envisaged to become Europe's first university town is planned to be made next month. And that's your lot in this the is US. My, this is my lot. That's yes. right. I, I, th this is the first time. Well, we've been reading about this for a while, but uh, there's certainly I'm not uh, high enough in the university to know about any of these things. Uh, but yes, it's, it's, the idea is that if you co-locate, remember they used that phrase for hospitals, uh, and you co-locate a university with a technological park or something like that, or a strategic development zone, as they're calling it, that you create these good synergies. Synergies, yeah. Uh, it worked very well in the case of the of, of the Pla Plassey's technological park in the 80s, uh, when you had Dell and all these other people involved. So I presume it's within that same context. They're going to be developing this distributor road, which will open up all of that area. Uh, in time, presumably, and allow access into the campus. At the moment, I would sometimes walk in from that side of the campus. Um, and for those of you who might be familiar, it's the medical school is on the Clare side. So you could argue that County Clare has the newest medical school in the country. Uh, the musicians are there and the nurses are the, over there. Okay, good stuff. Pat, I'm looking at what you have there as well. Uh, on page three of the Care Champion, and uh, it's a call for the the huge problem. It's one thing, no matter where the rooms are, be it Binden Street or Plassey or whatever, but uh, students can't find accommodation. Yeah, this is a serious issue for students. Uh, call for state to solve students' housing crisis. 
Total level experience lost to so many forced to endure huge commutes. That's a story by Dan Denner. And then you have another one here. <coughs> For students commuting every day, it is draining. Uh, the government has been urged by Westclare students to take action to provide more affordable student accommodation in Galway City. Fionn Sexton, 21, has been forced to commute daily from Midtown Member to Galway City due to the lack of affordable student accommodation since September 6th. This involves getting the 7.55 a.m. bus to, from Milltown to Innes, transferring to the 9.25 a.m. bus from Innes to Galway, arriving in the city at 10.40. Most of the, the morning lectures are start after 11. As part of his Thursday lecture, which commences at 9 a.m., forcing him to stay in a friend's house friend's and couch, and couch mm, on yes. Wednesday night. Okay. Yeah. So it is, it is a serious issue. It is. And I suppose it, it always was a rush to get accommodation, but I suppose to get a reasonable accommodation and relatively near where you want to yeah. go. But it's now a, it's any accommodation. Oh, now it's, uh, now it's impossible. I, I have a, a group of students, I'm teaching them, I met them on Friday morning, and... Uh, out of a small class, uh, just a small tutorial group of about 15, three, if not four, three had to find accommodation in hotels at a vast cost. I got an email the other day from a chap in Wexford uh, asking me if my classes were online. I asked him, I told him no, they weren't. And I asked him why was he asking. He said, I can't find accommodation in Limerick. Uh, they're being charged uh, 800 to 1,000 euro a month. Uh, for one bed for one bed in a small box room uh, there's a major crisis it's Galway it's Limerick um, it's in every city in Dublin and in Dublin significantly ok but any, any idea about what should happen well uh, I, I was listening to, I was watching uh, last night uh, on, on prime time and it was being discussed on prime time and the minister um, from Limerick was on uh, he's the general minister but um, they were doing a report on it and he said a lot of student accommodation was built during the, 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 the lockdowns and they have changed, they, they went to Dublin um, City Council to change the, the response for students, then they reapplied with their planning permission to change them to, to tourism tourism um, uh, accommodation more money in that and more money in it and uh, that's why a lot of the a lot of the students are being locked yeah. out of, of that's dublin now i'm not familiar with what has been built in galway or or limerick for students i haven't seen anything built in the last dec in the last decade what was built by private operators was subsequently bought by the university um, and it has remained and continues student accommodation we but the university's numbers have increased dramatically uh, we're now at 16,000 students. Uh, five, maybe eight years ago, we were 11,000 students. David, you, you, you spent uh, some time in university in America. I did. In with, where was it? Uh, Montana. In Montana. How large a university was that? The, the university had its own golf course, John. It's that large. It had this massive stadium. And how about accommodation? Did it, it had plenty of accommodation. I was staying in some of the accommodation. Uh, all, all on campus, all, all on campus. under the control of yeah. the university. Yeah. Would it be fair common to say that the Irish universities in general did not, in their expansionist uh, you know, yeah. uh, operation, did not, in fact, plan on integrating student accommodation into the design 
of a developing campus. Yeah, I would say you're right. I th no university probably anticipated the mass type of third-level education that we've had. Like, mm. traditionally, always colleges had a, a certain amount of accommodation. A small amount, yeah. Because the students, the student numbers were relatively small, but then the expansion from the 1960s. And, um, but the government would not allow universities to build such accommodation. They really? can't, they wouldn't get the, and Professor Derek Hyo, the president of DCU, has, has brought this out, has called it out, said the government last year did not give any money when the universities looked for it uh, to build student accommodation. Are you serious? Yeah, that's what the president of DCU said. Well, no, last night the minister was on, uh, last night the minister was on, mm -hmm. and he said that, that they're, they're changing the rules now and that they're going to allow the universities to borrow money to yeah. build, build the yeah. accommodation. Too late now. What do we tell Fionn Sexton oh, or, or, or any of the rest of them? It's yes. to, it, that hmm. takes time. The crisis is now. Okay. There's also a crisis in, we believe, in Clare GA. And I see on page 8 of the uh, Clare Echo again, uh, the review... Uh, is imminent, if we were talking about the, the chair of the Shannon Group being imminent, the appointment, but the, the, this review from uh, earlier in the year, uh, it's due to be published in September. So apparently it's due to be published at the uh, September meeting. meeting of the county board, when, and we're nearly at the end of September, so we'll... Whenever I, I, I don't see a date for I it, think there's a meeting, I think there's a meeting next Tuesday night, Jim. Yeah, yeah Jim, yeah. are you are you aware of any little leakages? Well, if you're looking at uh, page eight of the Clare Echo, there are some leakages there. Mm. Um, what one stands out for you? I don't have it in front of me. Well, uh, I suppose there's a few. First of all, the sale of Clare Abbey. Uh, where no, Clare Abbey is... Clare Abbey is the old Clare Castle pitch, which is now owned by the county board and they have their offices there. Mm -hmm. But the, I think one of the main things is that three full-time officers are suggested. They'd be paid yeah. officers now. They would indeed, yeah. yeah. They'd be a chief executive officer, uh, a director of hurling, and finally a marketing commercial officer. But no director of football. As a, come, as a man whose roots are in football? <laughs> Apparently no mention of it. Not but, yet, anyway. But I mean, I can't... Or no leakage. <laughs> I can't imagine a director of hurling without a director of football. Or, dead right. Or maybe the same person would yeah. have a... a but, um, and, and these would all be paid, presumably? They would be would paid. Be. At the moment now, the position of secretary in Clare is the only paid position. Yeah. Um, and now, what would a chief executive officer be doing for the GA in County Clare? No. You're asking me, or you're asking the... the uh, well, uh, well, of course, yeah. maybe we don't know, and it's undefined yet. But what would you think, Jim, it would be doing? I suppose to the running of a county board uh, in, in the G at the moment is pretty much a full-time business. So you want someone there with the skills who, who can run you know, a, a, a company, yeah. because it is a company, yeah. uh, it has to make money, it has to be profitable, it has to be sustainable, yeah. but it also has to, um, to oversee not just fundraising, but development within the county, development of hurling and football, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. development of stadia, yeah. and, develop and particularly development of, of young people, because the, the, the great Clare hurlers in the future are children yeah. today, and uh, they're out at six o'clock in the evening under astroturf and astroturf, maybe you know, learning the skills. Yeah. And so, is this is this another step in the professionalisation of the GA? Do you think? 
I would think so, and I certainly hope not. Yeah. But, I mean, even amateur organisations have to be run professionally. Mm, mm, um, mm, so mm. you need professional people to run the, the thing. But, I mean, no, I, I can't see play being paid. Certainly, I, I can't see it. Pat, does this take away from the role of the secretary for a county board, do you think? Well, so the, 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 the clear secretary at the present time has been paid for the last... 20, right. 20 years or so. Yeah. It, it, it but the duties it, yeah. and the functions, do you think like yeah. the chief executive officer would probably assume some of the duties it, that the secretary I, at the moment I has? I certainly will, yeah. yeah, will. yeah. 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 I mean, it proposes, you know, the leak that's, that's, that Parik is, is uh, reporting on page 8 in Clare Echo is uh, that the, the post of secretary would once again become a voluntary position, like all the other positions. Mm. And that, um, right. you know... I presume that the duties and everything would would decrease as well. Yeah. Um, why why, <laughs> why would they have to sell the Clare Abbey site? Well, what's well, the what's the what's the motivation behind that? They have they have a new place up in Tora, and they have building buildings there which are not been used, and they have this place in Castle as well, which is probably worth a lot of money now because uh, uh, you know sites are. are are going to be so the, the you're saying there's a surplus of sites. So, so there's, there's yeah, um, yeah. you know it would be a money making exercise really. Right. Now they have they have a bit of ground they have a pitch out in in Crushine as well and they don't use that either. So I, I don't see anything about that being sold, but it probably would be in the report. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay, we we'll, we leave that because we obviously maybe by the time we come back next week or the week after, there they might be more information on it. Um, very. I think we're, are we nearly at the half time? We'll 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 go so to a bit of music, Pat. Uh, what have we got we'll leave, uh, for our uh, half time break? Uh, Bruce Springsteen, he's seventy two on towards the last. So uh, we'll have <laughs> I, I'm on fire. <laughs> and you are, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Great Bruce Springsteen there, I'm on fire. Well, speaking of fire, it uh, brings us neatly <laughs> to the next thing, imports of peat. Mm. And uh, we all have, Im- we all have uh, used briquettes and, and uh, turf in our fireplace. But, uh, John, peat imports well, uh, when we have so much peat in our own country. You know, how many around the table use peat moss uh, in your horticultural pursuits? You all use it, okay. You know that uh, the production of that in Ireland is now banned. And it was like a guillotine coming down. There was not much time for adaptation, okay. So last week, just to show you one of the consequences of the ban, a 3,600 tonnes of horticultural uh, arrived peat arrived from Latvia into Drada. Now, the significance of that is, as I see it, it was a 2,000-mile journey. Okay? 
you, the same stuff could be got six miles locally. So you can work out your, the figures for yourself. Mm -hmm. Which was doing more damage? The bit of extraction of peat moss to satisfy the Irish market or the importation from the Nordic mm -hmm. countries. Okay. Yeah. So, but John, I think uh, I think we we would probably have to say that we probably shouldn't be using peat. Be that as it may, but yeah. the suddenness of the actual, you know, the guillotining of it, as I would say, yeah. uh, hasn't given people time. But At least we revisited. The EU directive came out over a decade ago. I'd say it was our own government who delayed, and they they always push it. You know, successive governments just push it down the line until about their fine. Okay, why why in fact? Uh, would we import a commodity that we can produce ourselves as against a, an imported commodity uh, which... Well, we shouldn't takes, be using it at all. Which, well, wait a minute now. Yeah. Which takes 2,000 miles to deliver. I agree with you. We should yeah. neither be importing it nor digging it up in our in the bogs of Ireland. Okay. There is an alternative. What it is it? It is compost. And you can actually buy now, and go out and have a look at it online, you can buy commercially produced soil compost, Yeah. Uh, which isn't peat. And it's compost. It's from leaf matter and all the rest. How much is that going to cost? Uh, it's probably very competitive these days because if that industry takes off and we all, as you said, John, all of us around the table probably use it. We probably, are we wrecking the bogs of Latvia? We, we most well. definitely are. So therefore we shouldn't buy it? We shouldn't mm. buy it, no. Okay, on a slightly related topic, I'm looking at page seven on the Clare Champion, Pat is looking at it there and David has it as well in front of him. And it's... Uh, you, you can't avoid it, Jim. no. Uh, it's the, in black and white. <laughs> the, and mostly black. <laughs> mostly black. The lights have been shut out, Pat. It's a big black page yeah, <laughs> on, the, on page seven. Don't let the big take steal your light. If Clare County Council allows the data centre to be built in Innes, it will require the equivalent power used by all homes in Clare, Kerry and Limerick combined. Be powered by massive gas burning turbines. Use nearly half the water needed by Innes, up to one million litres of water a day cause power blackouts due to pressure on national electricity grid and contribute massively to the climate crisis. So um, it's, it's taken up by, it's a full page uh, taken out by Uplift, uh, who are, uh, the notice is funded by 170 donors and members of Uplift, the people-powered campaigning community. So they're, what they're calling is to, um, to, to you know, maybe that um, this data centre wouldn't go ahead at all. Yes, and of course, Clare County Council, looking at page six on the Clare Echo, uh, they have looked for further information, and the headline is a wider conversation in yeah. the data centres needed. Jim, could I just clarify one sentence, so that again there's no misunderstanding. Uh, David's response to what I was reading here. All I'm asking is support for what the article says. Let's do, let's eliminate the actual peat moss, but spend the next seven years up to 2030. And apparently, the industry itself says the same thing, willing to actually get out of it. But please give them, give us seven years or eight years to do so. Would you be satisfied with that? Yeah. A graduate. Yeah. Right. Very good. Okay. But Looking at the where is it, the Clare page, the, the East Clare page, the Killaloo Bridge and the bypass around Killaloo. 
Um, that's right, page 13. Dan Danaher has the story. This is, this is we, 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 we've been anticipating this for a long time. Um, we may still have to anticipate it a little bit longer, but the councillors are asking uh, about it. Work on the construction of the new Shannon River crossing, Killaloo bypass, and upgrading of the Ballina to Bird Hill Regional Road is expected uh-huh. to start next spring. Now, people will have noticed the, the opening up works. So yeah. that has been completed. Uh, the next stage is for the tender to be awarded. And according, uh, according to Dan Danaher, the tender return date is scheduled for Friday, October 15th this year, after which, and following review, assessment and recommendation, it is expected that the contract will be awarded by year-end and that construction on site will commence in spring 2022, subject to Department of Transport approval. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll have to keep an eye on it. Yeah, and it's going to take uh, it's going to take three years to complete the the, the, the work. So no, Pat, yeah. can you imagine yeah. the state? Yes. Can you imagine, lads, the state of the road from Bird from Bird Hill to Ballina? Now, for ten years, Tipperary County Council have been using the argument that there's going to be a new bridge, okay, and there will be infrastructural improvements then. Mm-hmm. They use that in order not to pay, spend a blooming penny on filling potholes and unevenness on that stretch of road. Right. My God, what state will it be in yeah. over the next three years? They have, they have, no, fencing, they have no fencing push. Oh, we don't drive in there, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to widen that road, John. We have, have no fence to, put in at each side. We'd have to go by Broadford. I think. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to get the train. Okay. Uh, I just see a very quick mention there, a Killaloo woman, uh, Jade Hines, and, mm. and I just mention it because uh, she did a, a triathlon, a 250-kilometre triathlon yeah. there mm. recently, and we had mm. her in studio there some weeks ago, I think. Was it Marie and Trish Hatter? I, I, she was in Saturday Chronicle anyway, but she's uh, a great girl and uh, did her did her thing for um, and raised funding. Seven thousand three hundred forty-one. Uh, yes. So she, yeah. you know, it, it, for the Samaritans and, and the Sierra Adult Respite House. Not yeah. sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah, it was a tough, tough thing that she took on. Um, no. And there's a GoFund page there all the time if anyone wants to, to contribute. Okay. The, while the long way in one day will be will it open for a few more weeks. So. While we're on that page at all, Pat Burke. <laughs> uh, Pat Burke is certainly yeah, not someone to, to shirk away from a difficult task. He broke his mirror there recently on the road to Broadford. On the road and he was Again to Broadford, is it? Yeah. Uh, I suppose he was making the point that uh, landowners should be cutting the hedges, hedges yeah. uh, to, to stop, I suppose, growth going out on the road and branches taking his wing mirror and that kind of thing. But he's pictured there on the on the page, page 13 of the Care Champion, uh, actually doing, leading by example and uh, cutting mm-hmm. the, the hedges in his own home I know, I know in Whitegate. I, I, I read that article there, Jim, and I, I see the councillors and I see Joe Coney was talking about it as well there. Well, um, you know, the council probably w- should should um, cut the hedges and then build the, the people that own it. And why but not, Pat? Yeah, well, they could do that, but a lot of people do, uh, a lot of people trim the hedges. Yeah. And another thing as well, the, you you can't trim them before the first of September. That's right. You, you know, from from for from bird li- for bird life. From the first of March, the first. Yeah. So, uh, he's, he's only, you're only talking maybe three weeks since the. Since well, you that's you enough to break a mirror, Pat. No, I have. Yeah, but you can't do every road. I I, I asked uh, I asked a local contractor to do my hedges. 
there uh, just at the end, of the end of August, and he said it'll be a month before he'll be able to come to me. He was busy. Hmm. So he, yeah. But would road yeah. safety not take precedence over um, the, you know, the bird life in well, the certainly do. where there was a oh, problem. Well, the legislation allows for that. I, I, if, 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 if the hedges have become really overgrown, you can cut within the restricted period. Yes. But... Um, but but it's uh, it's it is all end of August September is when the hedges are in full yeah bloom so to speak and well, um, well you'd have, you you the roads be dangerous enough now during the summer there along in July and August yeah. and August yeah. and there's a lot of lot of growth yeah now. we're looking yeah. at page ten in the Clare Echo um, to hell with the environment when road safety is concerned no that's a big question that's a, that's actually a, that's a, that's I, I think it's actually a bit misleading that the article heading there is a bit misleading because i don't think that's what sorry, the councillors are suggesting at all um because the councillors are not talking about the council or anybody else they want they want the farmers and the other people who own hedges to cut the cut the hedges mm. um but um says, not all landowners are equal in their efforts, Councillor Cooney maintains. Some landowners are doing fantastic work, and there is no point saying they are not, but other landowners are not carrying out their duties. I suppose if the councillors and the council has a problem, they can always bring a prosecution and see how far that gets them. Um, or if they don't like it, the council themselves will have... It, it used to be the case in, in County Cork, where I came from, that the council themselves cut the hedges. Would, we, would, would in fact, uh, the citizens expect the council to take on the responsibility and take on the responsibility away from the farmer himself and not charge... You okay? Uh, do it as a social service. I'd be with you on that, John. Would that, you? That was the yeah. way it was before, John. But was in, it? in recent years, uh, they have they have became they, a money. They pushed pushed over onto the onto the onto the farmers. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe we need to, for environmental reasons, return. No, to no. Yeah. You, know, uh, you, agree have, with you. you have to take into account as well. They're, they're collecting um, um, property tax. They are they, indeed. Yeah. They have put on extra money for property tax. So you'd imagine they should be able to cut the hedges as a social service. There they you are now. Like, do I mean, do we expect the farmers to fill the potholes outside the ditch? as well yeah. um, and you it, are it's the public road indeed indeed although am i right in saying the farmer owns out to the middle of the road any property owner yeah, yeah. including myself so and you, the and potholes on your own side of the road yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no no potholes on my side <laughs> listen we'll move on Ger frost uh, pat i suspect you probably know Ger frost i know Ger well yeah i do yeah tell us about him yeah Ger, he, he's um, a mechanic he, he he, he well he he's, he hasn't a garage but he moves around with his his van and he repairs tractors and all that for for uh, farmers and uh, all that kind of stuff and um, the Frost family have been involved in ploughing back over the years so Jerry recently won the All Ireland Junior title up in in, in County Leash in the ploughing in the ploughing yeah, championship championship and he already won the under twenty eight in two or eight so his father won three or four All Irelands and in, in in his time the late Jerry Frost he died a few years ago there. Do you ever do any yourself, Pat? Do you ever do any ploughing? I did, yeah, I did. I did. did you ever plough with a horse? No, I didn't ever plough with a horse. I, well, I, I led a horse if my father was ploughing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember my grandfather doing the same. You did, you led. Well, I watched, like yeah. Pat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, well, it's, it's, yeah. There's a skill, it's, obviously, it's, it's, it's isn't there? Skill, I mean, yeah. there's a skill yeah. in it, and yeah. fair play to him. And, uh, of course, the National Ploughing Championships were behind closed gates, yeah. so yeah. to speak. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's an achievement mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Okay, we'll move on. John. Yes. I saw something there in front of you. Yes, I'm looking at it. A picture 
of rutting deer. Ah, what a lo- but this is by Fiona McGarry. Yes. Okay. And um, she's issuing a warning. Now, I don't know if any of you lads have had an experience of a deer jumping over the bonnet of your car. But I had. It's very serious, yeah. It's a serious one. Mm. And I had, thanks be to heaven, you know, he was so fast that he got over and out of the way before I ate him. Yeah. Have you ever had that experience? Well, I've seen him on the road now. Yeah. No, this time Coming out over the, but uh, I didn't hit him on the road. Fiona's making a point in a nice article which uh, has an accompanying photograph of... Well, they're rotting deer, but they're not terribly animated yet. Uh, now, what's it? rotting, John? Rotting would be the time of mating, you know. The, uh, and why would two male deers be doing something like that? Because out of, out of the picture is a little har- <laughs> harmless, har- female. <laughs> a harmless female waiting the outcome. Okay, and don't drive a car in between them because they'll turn on you. Okay, so she's making the point. Just be careful at this time of year, as the the testosterone rises Rises. in the male species and the female species too. I suppose, Jim. I I wouldn't know that. (laughs) The uh, I've never heard of it. The Irish Deer Commission. I wonder what they do. Well, they, they, they're, they're the deer's representatives. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it says here anyway, they say, male deer go in search of females and younger males are ousted by dominant males forcing deer to cross roads and motorways, a spokesman for the commission said. Plus a change. <laughs> I wonder, you know, talking about that, and it does happen from time yeah. to time, I, I'm just wondering how good an idea it is to have woodland coming right out to the side of the road. Very good, a very, very because good point, if, if you had, let's say, five metres at yeah. each side, yeah. it would give the poor deer who is going from A to B, for whatever reason, uh, it would give him or her a chance to yeah. see traffic. Yeah. It would give the driver a chance as well to see yeah. if yeah. there are deer. Because quite often there are deer, there, there are trees right out to maybe the hedge. Yeah. And suddenly they come out and they over. Do. That's they right. Do. And where there's one deer there's on a, a road. There's a group of them. Absolutely. A herd of them. So yeah. anticipate all the time. The other factor about, um, about forestry is that with the increasing commercial plantations, deer now can roam extensive, move, uh, extensively. They, yeah, they move around an awful lot. Move around an awful lot. And I think disturb a lot of farmland, it has mm. to be said, and eat mm. a lot of grass, and mm. if they can get into your garden, worse. Mm. Um, I, have a, I, have several, I have a few uncles who live in the Galtee Mountains. In my youth, the Galtee Mountains, were, there was very little forestry. Yeah. Now it's covered in forestry. And they have the run of the Galtee Mountains and come right up into farmland. So, I, lo- I like deer myself. I just like watching them. And if you go down to Kilkarni, you, uh, Killarney, you'll see the red, the red deer. It's the Sitka si- deer. Is the Sika. Sika deer, yeah. yeah. Sika, yeah. Well, there's, there's a wood up at the back of my house. And I, was, I, I go for a walk up there. There's a walk up along the back, back of the wood and out along by lake. And out, out, out onto, out onto the kitchen. And uh, I counted uh, 17 of them there one, one morning early. There was in there. Seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah. I did strip a field very quickly, yeah, wouldn't yeah, I? Yeah, yeah, well, well, okay. Can I move on? The library, which provides a brilliant service all over County Clare, they're providing smartphone classes. Yeah. Um, for, for the elderly. I think for anybody who needs them. <laughs> well, absolutely yes, but particularly for those who are afraid of using and have or have just got a phone or yeah. uh, who are kind of shy of it. And in the Scarif case. Uh, they, they, the program starts on the September the 30th. 
okay. and will last for two weeks oct- to October the 14th. That's this coming week? Yes. Yeah. And 2.30 to 4.30. But do ring, do you know? Yeah. And the, ri- the number, Jim, very important to yes. ring because it'll, it'll book out very quickly. 065 684 6353 Okay, 065-684-6353 Correct Yeah, and it's very important because, I mean, people often say I haven't a clue about that Don't, you know, I want an old-fashioned phone but the the smartphones are they're very, very useful Uh, Pat, I was going to come to you as well What was I going to come to you about? Uh, The, about 30 seconds maybe or less on the the Clare, the, the 12 o'clock hills. Oh, yeah. There's a big piece there on the seventh anniversary. Yeah, the, the, um, Patsy Neville, who was in, the, the head man in the 12 o'clock hills, yeah, he just did a, a full page here this week, and um, there's a lot of advertisements there on congratulating the, the committee uh, to make or celebrate the seventh anniversary of the, the official opening of the 12 o'clock hills facility to the public back in 2014. We are organising two guided walks. These will take place from two different staff points on Saturday, Sunday, October 2nd and 3rd. And on Saturday the 2nd, we are breaking new ground and guiding uh, with a guided 17 hike, um, 17k hike off the hill starting and finishing at Old Field Church Car Park. And then there's the other one the following way. It's, um, it's a uh, 13k hike and it's, it will be from the Belvoir Trailhead. So it's just to, to mark the, the the occasion, and uh, it's a very popular, um, uh, very popular facility around the area. Okay. Yeah. Lovely, David. Yeah. Um, the bike project. I know we spoke about that before. Yeah. This is uh, this is a very, I think, a, a good thing. The Rotary Club, Ennis Rotary Club, is urging the public to make uh, a wheel effort. That the pun is being used there to in continuing support of a project which is bringing bicycles to school children in Africa. The initiative, which sees people donate their unwanted repairable. I mean, that's the point. They have to be. They may not be wanted, but. They shouldn't be. They should. They shouldn't be falling apart. They should be repairable bikes. Has already resulted in 157 bicycles shipped from Clare to Gambia. So they're urging the Rotary Club are urging people who have these bikes to bring them to the waste management facility at Ballyduff Beg at Ina. Okay. And they'll be transferred to the prison, yeah. uh, open prison, where they'll be repaired. Where yeah. they'll be repaired. So yeah. it's it's having a positive impact but in several in different quarters. I think uh, something well worth mentioning here, uh, the late Declan Monaghan, uh, photographer, um, has a two-page spread in the living section uh, as a tribute to him, uh, a piece of, of text there in relation to him, and uh, also... The, a number of his photographs over two pages, which um, you know shows yeah. his his skill as a photographer. Yeah, he died. A, he died a young man, and he was a musician as well. He was in a in a rock band, and um, I think he took, took a lot of photographs in Canada. And uh, done a lot of in his young life, he done an awful lot of um, read the article because of the article there on, on him, and um, he, he put in a lot of um, a lot of things into his his, his life. Like, and he he died a young man at 28. Okay, so there's a lovely picture of Packy Dooley there as well Mm, in the paper. Um, John Kelly has an exhibition in Mount Shannon this weekend. Anyway, we've reached uh, that part of the programme that we must sign off. So 
Again, thank you very much for listening, uh, everybody uh, out there on FM land and online to Scarif Bay Community Radio, to local media this week. My thanks to John S. Uh, Welcome, Jim. To Pat. Thanks, thanks, Jim. To David. Thanks, Jim. And I uh, hope you enjoyed the programme. Now, Pat, we'll have a bit of music to finish. Well, we have Ray Charles. He was 91 on Thursday last. And uh, take these chains from my heart. God, Pat, I remember that. <laughs> and well. set me free. Pat, yes. <laughs> John S. was playing football back in those days. Okay, so we'll finish with Ray Charles. Uh, compliments of Pat. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week. God willing, uh, goodbye and God bless. Take these chains from my heart and set me free. Take these chains from my heart and set me free. You've grown cold and no longer care. 